WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning and welcome to another edition of the car doctor program. Uh, Jesse, you okay? You going to live? Yeah, I'm right. You know, risky business. All right. Reading okay. the weather. All right. Uh, but again, welcome to welcome to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD, your home for all kinds of information. And uh, right now we're going to talk about cars, and we're going to talk about the best new cars for the money with our friend Carl Brower from iccars.com. Carl, good morning, and welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John. How are we doing? We're doing just fine. So uh, IC Cars comes out with different studies all the time of all kinds of different things. And uh, the latest one, best new cars for the money. Uh, I got to tell you, the number one pick was a little bit of a surprise, the Mitsubishi Mirage. Yeah, I think that surprised a lot of people because they're not necessarily fans of the Mitsubishi Mirage or they don't think the Mitsubishi Mirage as uh, a good car. But again, this was... Remember the last four words or three words of this title, for the money. So if you're trying to get as much distance out of your car that you're buying new as you can while paying the least amount of money for that car up front, and that's your only two requirements, then an average new car price of $18,991 for the Mitsubishi Mirage gives it a substantial advantage over, say, number two which is the Toyota Corolla, which costs, on average, $25,000. So over $6,000 more, huge percentage increase from 18991 to 25017 uh, And you get from a 172 lifespan on the Mirage to a 182 lifespan. So you only get 10,000 more miles, and you spend $6,000 more dollars. And and the Mitsubishi Mirage is one of those. It's kind of a. It's kind of an interesting car because it's a three cylinder engine that it gets like it gets Prius like fuel economy. It gets fantastic fuel economy. Um, not the most popular car in the world. Not the most Mitsubishi dealers around in the world. But like you pointed out, if you're looking for a low price um, price per ten thousand miles, it is uh, it's a it's a good value, and like you said, best new cars for the money. Um, you're not going to find anything that's going to be cheaper to buy and and cheaper to drive for that hundred and seventy thousand miles, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, let's be honest. You know, we live in a world where new cars are, in my mind, and I'm an old guy, so uh, ridiculously expensive, right? I mean, it just I just can't believe what cars are costing and what people are paying. And of course, they're only costing that much because people are willing to pay them. So uh, I'm, I'm obviously the dinosaur here. But if you are someone who is seriously on a tight budget and $20,000 is too much for a new car, then you can still buy a new car for less than 20000 One new car. The Mirage is literally like all that's left in the, you know, I just need the cheapest car possible world. And it's still almost $20,000 or $19,000, $18,991 is the average price. But that's, again, substantially less than the next cheapest uh, car out there. I, I guess I'm so old, I remember when 32000 triggered the luxury tax. Well, exactly. And I remember very distinctly when the average new car price was like twenty three. That was the average new car price. It's more than double that now. It's well over forty six thousand for the average new car, and I can easily remember when it was twenty three in the you know low to mid twenties. 
Yeah, somebody goes out and they say, you know, oh, I think I want to buy the new uh, uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, and they come back shocked that they're going to spend $65,000 to own one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and even, again, you know, look at the cars on this list. I mean, they had to be relatively low-priced up front, plus have a long lifespan to even make the top top 20 list that we've got here. And, you know, I mean, the Versa is right at 20000 It's 20601 so you still got to spend more than twenty to get it. But, you know, people think of something like, I don't know, a Honda Civic as an inexpensive car. The average price is twenty five or sorry, twenty eight five nine four. So it's almost twenty nine thousand dollars on average for a Honda Civic. And a Honda Civic's a great car, by the way. It's one of my favorite small cars you can buy right now. But when someone comes to me and says, Well, I gotta spend almost twenty nine thousand dollars on average to get a Honda Civic, I just feel like, well, that's kinda ridiculous. And and that was that price that twenty almost twenty nine thousand was what you would pay for a loaded Honda Accord with leather and every option in it at one point. Yeah, not that long ago, relatively speaking. In the history of the automobile, uh, you know, again the spike in pricing in the last five years has been pretty aggressive. Yeah, and you know, let's let's keep talking about price. I know it's a little bit off the topic here, but let's keep talking about prices a little bit. Do you think at some point the buying public is going to just go, "Hey, look, I can't spend sixty thousand dollars to get a car to go get groceries in and and commute back and forth to work, and I just can't do it." Do you think that time is coming at some point where the automakers are going to have to start and rethink some of these high prices? I do think that time is coming, and I think some would argue it's already arrived. Um, I was actually at a dealership on Monday, and I told the sales guy there, I said, I feel like there's a rubber band being stretched, and at some point it has to uh, contract or maybe just snap completely. And he told me, Johnny said, oh, it's already started. He said, the uh, the loan defaults and repossessions I'm seeing right now, I haven't seen for years, and there's no sign of them going down. They're just going up. So. Yeah, no, it, it is it is pretty pretty amazing. Let's kind of go through this list a little bit. We talked about the Toyota Corolla. Um, Subaru Impreza is on the list. Subaru Impreza, great car, especially here in New England. With you know, we're we're having everything from sunshine to to snow over the next two days. Uh, All wheel drive, uh, compact car, decent fuel economy, and um, average lifespan up near two hundred thousand miles. Yeah, Subaru has come so far as a brand. I mean, what they offer and who they resonate with. And like you said, uh, the functionality of these cars, they pretty much always have all-wheel drive except their little uh, uh, two-door coupe sporty one they have. Yep. And so that makes them all-weather friendly, and they just last forever, and people love them. Yeah. Uh, you know, down number six on the list, I think everybody's favorite sedan, the Toyota Camry. Um, you know, people... People just buy it on out-and-out recommendations. Some neighbor says, oh, you're looking for a good car, go buy a Camry. And they're almost never wrong. I mean, they are great cars. Uh, but as you pointed out in your in your study here, you know, you're going to spend around thirty two grand to get a Toyota Camry. Yeah, yeah. It's over $30,000 now to get a Camry on average. And uh, the Accord's right at 30000 So, uh, yeah, it's a $30,000 average to get a midsize sedan now. And the the most uh, probably the most popular compact SUV on the planet, the CRV does uh, pops in at number eight on your list. Uh, but again, almost thirty six thousand dollars. Yeah, thirty six thousand for one of those on average. But look at that mileage. Look at the average yeah. lifespan: two hundred and on nineteen. Just call it two hundred and twenty thousand mile on average that these uh, are going. So you're going to spend money. 
But if you, you know, there's a lot of people you could probably say, this is my last car I'm going to buy, depending on their age, if they buy a cam or buy a CRV, and they're probably set. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of interesting that it looks like, um, you know, we've been, you know, we've been saying, you know, the average person drives 12,000 miles a year. That number really hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot. You know, people still, in some cases now, with uh, work from home, people are actually driving less, and we're seeing less miles traveled, right? Right. That's 100% true, is, is there's some people who've come down. So if you've got a car that can last 200-plus thousand miles and you're working from home, uh, yeah, you probably don't need to buy a car for quite some time once you've got it. Yeah, and um, you know when you look when you look at this list, there really is. You know, I I'm not sure you know how fussy a buyer could be, but there's a little bit of something for everybody on here. Everything from you know uh, SUVs to sedans to uh, what I don't see on here, with the exception of the Prius, is a is is any other hybrids, right? Uh, the Camry hybrids on here too. Oh, oh okay. Uh, down there at number fourteen, there's a Camry hybrid. Uh, but yeah, hybrids, you know, they still add cost to uh, to the vehicle. So not as much as they used to. The incremental cost additional for a hybrid compared to uh, even five to ten years ago, much smaller. I'm a huge hybrid fan, um, but you know, because they do add to the cost. It makes it harder for them to get on this list, which is so heavily focused on purchase price plus mileage. Yeah, and it's that combination. And how did how did you come up with with the mileage numbers? Was it survey based? How 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 did that all work? So we're able to see you know so many cars across the uh, country, you know, with dealer listings and other things. So we're able to get a good sense of average lifespan for vehicles because we can see how old they're getting and how often they're still being sold. And that tells you, you know, nobody's selling a car that's about, you know, dealers aren't listing a car that's about to go to the scrapyard. So if a car is listed for sale, it's got some life left on it. And, uh, you know, we can see that, plus we can see the progression. You know, if you look at a five-year-old given model and you see its mileage, and then a 10-year-old same model and you see its mileage and stuff, you start to get a real sense of, like, the, the pattern of mileage accumulation on these cars. And uh, today's cars, I mean, there was there was a time that you know, a car with a hundred thousand miles would be on the back back of the back lot of a of a car dealer. Now, a hundred thousand miles is sort of considered low mileage on a lot of these cars because they run so well and run so long, right? See, this is the good news. If the bad news is that cars are so expensive, new cars and used cars are so expensive. The good news is that where you used to think it was getting close to disposal time between 80 and 100,000 miles, maybe 120 at the most. Uh, you know, you look at this list, John Paul, none of these cars have a lifespan below 130,000 miles. You know, I think the Sentra's got the lowest one here at 134, and plenty of them are above 150 or even 200. And that 200,000 miles, which was, uh, you know, 10 years ago was, you know, when somebody hit 200,000 miles, you expected the automaker to give them a new car because they hit some, <laughs> hit some record. And today, today, like you said, you, you, you're seeing, you're seeing everything from, you know, Ford F-150s to Suburbans to Camrys going 300, 400,000 miles and in relatively easy state to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, 
I, I look at my own fleet here. You know, I've got a 200, a car uh, that's about to turn 215. It's a 2001 BMW 325CI. And I would have never thought that car could go that long, but it's been well cared for and uh, still drives fabulously, 215,000 miles. And my son's driving around an old Chevy Malibu that I picked up out of the Edmunds long-term fleet when I worked there 20 years ago, and it's at 165,000, still going. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can make modern cars go well over 150 if you care for them yeah it, it is it is and, and it is you know do a little bit of preventative maintenance do a little bit to sort of make everything work the way it's supposed to follow the recommendations in the owner's manual and go find a good repair shop to be able to take care of it for you all works out um you know in in this you know list and we're talking about stuff and, and you're somebody who observes the industry non-stop all day long um Electric electric cars, EVs in general, you know, if you read the big headlines, it's like there's a big pushback. People aren't buying them. They're sitting on the lots. Is that really true? Yeah. The EV sales numbers have definitely fallen off uh, in terms of the growth rate. Uh, that doesn't mean they aren't selling, and that doesn't even necessarily mean they aren't selling more this month than last month. But where they went from, say, 2020 to 2022 in terms of growth, of sales and percentage of market share has not been the same in 23, especially the last half of 23. And again, back to our discussion before of like cost of cars and does it seem realistic? You know, I think plenty of factors, including macroeconomic factors like inflation and job layoffs and stuff, you know, the last thing people want to do when they're having a heightened sense of concern about economics is try out something new that's expensive that they've never tried before. So the tolerance, the risk tolerance drops when you're concerned about your personal economics, and it's still considered a risky, new, never-done-before thing for people to buy an electric car. Yeah, there was, there was, a, there was a lot of headline grabbing, I guess, of Hertz selling off a lot of their Tesla fleet. But on the other hand, I looked at some of the ones that were for sale. They all had 100,000 miles on them. Yeah, it's not it, – What the big news there isn't that they're getting rid of those cars. They get rid of rental car agencies, believe it or not. They get rid of cars once they're hitting about 100,000 miles. The big news is that they're not replacing them with Teslas. That right. was the big headline yeah. there. It's that we're rotating these cars out like we would any other car at this mileage, and we will not be rotating back in new new Teslas. We'll be rotating in uh, traditional gasoline vehicles. And uh, do you think that was just a you know overall upfront cost that was the issue? Is it uh, is it that uh, you know Hertz didn't like dealing with Elon? What do you think it is? I think it was multiple factors. I think the cars cost more to maintain than they thought. There was this assumption that electric car it's like an iPhone; it has fewer parts and it never needs service. Uh, proved to not be true. Uh, I think the cars. It's had, it's, had it's, had it's funny you said that. My iPhone went dead this morning. So yeah. <laughs> See, even our modern electronic devices. Uh, but I think they had more problems with them, uh, both just inherent things breaking randomly, you know, displays and window switches and all that kind of stuff. But then or window controls, I should say, because I don't have window switches. But then also uh, uh, people were getting in accidents with them more because they're faster than a right. traditional com- internal combustion car. They have more low-end torque, yet they weigh more. Than a non uh, than a non electric car, so they're harder to slow down. That's kind of a bad combination when you think about it, John Paul. The car gets up to speed much quicker, and it slows down from speed much you know slower or slower because it's got a big heavy battery pack and they weigh like six thousand pounds. So that was a bad combo. And then people didn't want them. 
that was another big thing, too, is that people were, like, doing a one and done. They'd rent an electric car, and then they'd deal with the electric car return process specifically. Don't forget, as you're going out the door, they keep telling you, we want this back with 80 to 90% state of charge. So I always say, think of your average morning getting to the airport on your return, and you're up at the hotel. If you haven't packed already, you got to pack. you got to get everyone loaded in the car. you got to get the car to the rental car agency. Then you got to get the shuttle from the rental car agency to the airport, and you got to get your security, get your gate, make your flight. Most people, I know I'm talking myself for sure, the last thing they want to hear on the morning of their return from vacation or business travel is, oh, that list of to-dos before you're seated on the plane and can relax, add in, find a charging station, and get the car charged 80 90%. Hope you can find one. Hope the payment system works. Hope they're working. Hope the, hope the charging system isn't vandalized. And hope there's not four people in front of you adding two hours to this process. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I'm sure you've done it. You know, anybody who travels, you know, you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to fill up my car. Yes, I'll buy the right. $5 or, or in your case in California, the $10 a gallon gas at the airport. But you fill it up. You <laughs> right. fill it up. So you, you you do it. But finding, you know, I've been to two different airports in the last two weeks picking people up. And I haven't seen EV charging stations like, you know, that like the overpriced gas station in front of the in front of the airport. So, uh, again, yeah. you're right. It makes that one more thing you had to think about. And you hope that, oh, the hotel I stayed in had EV charging and uh, I charged up overnight so I can take that quick trip to the airport and come back with it yeah so it is it is sort of a uh, interesting mix of things that are all happening so people want more information on this list as well as looking for cars for sale or thinking about selling their own car and there's a there's a ton of information uh nice and easy iccars.com right yeah we've got this all here we do studies about every other week that help people figure out, you know, what they should pay, what's going on, the trends in the industry, you know, which models are hot for which reasons. So uh, plenty of info beyond the car listings, like you said, and, of course, all the listings from all the dealerships across the country that you can filter for make, model, mileage, price, location, everything. And sometimes just to do it for a little bit of fantasy. You want to see, oh, you know, there's, you know, I always wanted an Audi, you know, A A8, but I want the hot rod version um, and let's see if there's one for sale and where is it in my budget. And you can go go and look and maybe it's something you want to buy. I, I love the kind of just checking in, the window shopping, if you want to say it, the kind of analyzing the market and all. Whether you're buying a car in two weeks or two years, you start being able to just go in and make periodic checks. What's going on right now with this car's pricing in the market, new and used? And you might also find out that you are going to be facing some sticker shock and maybe putting that you know, $5,000 repair in your current car that can get you another few years out of it makes some sense based on what the new car pricing is. So, yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think a lot of people are doing that. They're investing in their current car because they look at the price of replacement. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And they have you that comes up with all these interesting facts and figures. So. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're trying to help. We're trying to, you know, we can't lower car prices, but maybe we can help you deal with them. All right. Hey, Carl, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and join us again on the Car Doctor program. Uh, it's always fun talking to you, John Paul. Uh, have All a right. good day, you, to your, you and your audience. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
Why don't we take a break, pay some bills? My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. Go check out iccars.com. Uh, great local website, actually, a Massachusetts website. So go check it out, iccars.com. We'll take a break, pay some bills, and when we come back, we're going to answer a few car questions. And coming up a little bit later, we're going to be talking to Brandon Garcia. He is the Vice President of Marketing for Hemmings Motor News, and they have something pretty cool going on uh, next weekend, I believe. So we'll do, we'll do all that now. Why don't we take that break? You're listening to The Car Doctor on 95.9 WATD. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Since 1986, One Stop Painting has been true to its name. The one stop you need to make for all your interior and exterior painting needs. That's 1986, 38 years. Some of our customers today weren't even born when we were painting their moms and dads' homes. And painting isn't all we do. Sure, we can freshen up your house and add some new colors and washable finishes to the walls, but we can also do carpentry, such as adding crown molding or wainscoting, wall and plaster repairs, fixed water and smoke damage. We can even help with insurance claims. For nearly four decades, we've taken on all projects, large and small, commercial and residential, and given you the same one-stop attention to detail no matter the size or price of the job. We are a family-run company responsible for over 30 employees. Your business helps us take care of their families while our employees take care of yours. Help keep them busy throughout the winter by taking advantage of some of our big seasonal discounts. Call us at 508-888-3500 or check us out online at onestoppainting.com. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. And I want to thank Kevin Tachi for having me on his program on Monday night, on Monday Night Talk. I spent a half an hour with him. And uh, we chatted about cars and the industry and all that sort of stuff and where car prices are going. And, yeah, we talked about some of the same things that Carl and I just talked about, as well as maybe used car prices are softening a bit, but still not that much. Um, yeah, it is sort of interesting about the whole Hertz-Tesla thing. We're actually buying one at work um, to because we can buy it through the wholesale system that we have because... Uh, AAA is considered a vendor in a lot of those cases, and we're buying it for training purposes. We have a uh, Nissan Leaf that we use for training, and of course we also have a fleet of Ford Lightning pickup trucks that we're using for what we call light service, uh, tire repairs, jump starts, um, and battery replacements. So the Lightning pickup trucks are carrying around, I don't know, 900 pounds of batteries in the back, and um, you know we'll, we'll, we're using them. We have we have uh, level three charging, the faster charging rate, uh, at several of our locations. And then we have um, level two with the other ones. Uh, I was it was pretty interested. I was uh, on a 
uh, webinar of sorts with the, I'm part of an electric vehicle task force group through AAA, and there was a company that has, they sort of took the idea of Spark Charge, which is um, a bunch of rechargeable batteries where you can charge up your electric car, and then they have it sort of made into a permanent charging station, which charges the batteries off of regular current so you can sort of have high speed electric charging that doesn't need 440 volts going to it to charge the car so it has there's a smaller charger that charges up all these batteries and the big batteries charge up the big batteries in the electric car so all all sort of interesting on where it's going to go um we do have uh, uh, brandon on the line we have we we had a mention about um Hybrid cars, and I want to talk about those in a bit and some of the challenges they face. Uh, with us now is uh, Brandon Garcia. He is the Vice President of Marketing at Hemmings Motor News. Hemmings Motor News, the Bible of the old car hobby. Brandon, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Tell uh, First off, remind us all about Hemmings. Hemmings, is, Hemmings Motor News has been around for a very long time. Uh, it was one of those... It was one of those uh, books that people coveted when it came out. In fact, I think Hemmings used to send it out. Um, it all kind of all dropped on the same day, so nobody had advantages way back in the olden days, right? That's right. Um, you know, in 1954, Ernest Hemmings um, created the original collector car marketplace, printing a four-page pamphlet that he would, would share with his fellow um, enthusiasts. And, um, you know, 70 years later, Hemmings continues to evolve um, with our three print publications and our extensive Hemmings.com marketplace. So um, 2024 is actually our 70th year anniversary, so 27 days into a great year um, and just continuing to grow and uplift the collector car community no matter you know how it shapes up. And, and Hemmings is still headquartered in Bennington, Vermont? Yes, we still have our office out in Bennington, Vermont. The gas station's still there. Um, we have a few folks in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I'm based out of. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, it's still there. I think we have about 50 folks out in Bennington. Um, most of our, our um, customer service representatives are out there. So if you're a customer of Hemmings, you know, your, your representative um, is most likely to be in Bennington. And anybody who's ever been... On, and, I, and I'm making it up because I don't remember the Route 7 or 9 or somewhere up there. Stop at the Bennington filling station and, and don't just go get gas. Go in and buy some stuff because you have cool stuff that used to be for sale up there. We do. Actually, my first time up there, I didn't know we had a gas station. Um, and I'm a big snack guy, so I would walk over there every so often to, to go stock up on snacks. But it's a, it's a great, beautiful city, uh, beautiful town, and and the gas station's been there forever. So definitely go check it out if you find yourself in Vermont. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, way back when, when Terry Eric uh, ran Hemmings, um, you know, he, you know, I had him, I've been doing this radio stuff for a long time, and I had him on the program. We always talked about things. And, and you know, as the business changed, they you guys changed with it. And now um, you guys have something pretty exciting coming up in the next week or so, right? We do. We and thousands of other enthusiasts are going out to Pomona, California, to the granddaddy of them all, the Grand National Roadster Show. Uh, and the exciting part about what we're doing there, um, February 2nd through the 4th, is 
we're going to be hosting what we call the Hemmings.com Car Corral Drive-In. You know, for, for years, GNRS has hosted drive-ins. What's going to be different um, from Hemmings is that sellers of hot rods, roadsters, will be able to register for our Hemmings.com Car Corral, and for $175, they'll get three days premium parking, a spot to showcase their Roadster or Hot Rod for sale on Redwood Avenue, right next to the main exhibit hall, a complimentary Hemmings make-offer listing, and then my team will put dedicated marketing behind that vehicle to help it sell. Um, so we, have, we already have dozens of, of beautiful Roadsters. I wish I could show you um, what's going to be on the lot, but there's still room available so if you are interested or know someone that's interested in selling their hot rod uh, at the Fairplex in Pomona, um, they can head to rodshows.com, click on tickets, and um, register their vehicle. So it's a, an exciting opportunity to showcase in person how seamless our Hemmings.com marketplace is, um, which is our goal. You know, 2024, after our successful rebrand at SEMA late last year, you know, Hemmings.com is the frictionless marketplace. And you, you might have heard us talk about that every so often, but it really is. And I'm excited to showcase it in person to thousands of enthusiasts. And that was always one of the, the challenges when you were buying a vehicle was having to deal with registration and all that sort of stuff. But you guys are helping to try to make that easier, right? Yeah. You know, so I'll give you a little bit of an exclusive, John. So Hemmings Pay and Title is our new feat featured um, service on Hemmings.com. And what we've essentially done is we've listened to our customers, um, and we have created the safest, easiest, and fastest way to transfer funds and titles between buyers and sellers. You know, and, and you may ask, you know, how do we do that? Well, we eliminate title and payment fraud, fraud which is, you know, is a real thing. And, and listening to our customers um, really influenced this partnership with with our partners at Key Savvy, we are verifying the buyer's identity and we're verifying the seller's ownership of the vehicle. So that's another great part about the Hemings.com car crowd at the Grand National Roadster Show is these sellers and buyers will have the opportunity to partake in the Hemings pay and title service. You know, gone are the days um, in our Hemings.com marketplace. We have the Take a trip to the bank, meet your seller and or buyer at the bank, carrying around large amounts of cash. You know, pay online, we'll make it as secure as possible, and we'll even do the DMV paperwork for you. Um, it was actually great. I think we launched this maybe about a month ago, um, and the first customers of Pay and Title, we were, me personally was tracking the, the DMV paperwork and title across the U.S., it felt like, to make sure it got to their to their homes, and it worked beautifully. You know, we're already seeing thousands of folks leverage this this product, and um, actually, I believe on Friday at the Grand National Roaster Show, we'll make a little bit more of an announcement. Uh, but again, we are building services that eliminate the friction out of this industry. Yeah, it really, and people don't realize how um, 
how much this sort of fraudulent stuff goes on. And it could be something with something very simple. I, I worked with a, a woman. She was selling her dad's minivan, I think, and she had it listed for sale. And someone sent her what looked like a bank check for more money than it was worth. But it was sort of, um, yeah, you know, there's going to be a there's going to be a uh, transport service. They're going to come and pick up the vehicle. You have, you know, you wanted, you know, $5,000. Here's a check for 6000 If you could just you know, figure out what it's going to cost and then, you know, give the driver that, you know, that money and, you know, you'll be also, and, and come to find out it was, fortunately she didn't fall for any of it, but it was a completely fraudulent, but pretty authentic looking bank check. And she would have been out a vehicle and also paid someone to drive it away for her. So there, there is a lot of, uh, unscrupulous people out there and having this service where the buyers and sellers are both um, verified uh, takes a whole lot of stress off of that. Yeah. And, and that's our goal. You know, there's so many stories uh, like the one you just said, uh, and we're, we at Hemingway are just so excited to provide this service. You know, our, our goal for 70 years has been to grow and uplift the collector car community. This is a part of that. Um, and we can't wait for everyone to get their hands on, on the product. Um, it is live now at Hemmings.com. Um, check it out. You know, it, it really does eliminate the stress to our hobby. You know, we want to get folks on the road as quick as possible to enjoy their collector car. Um, and, and like I mentioned, the, the Hemmings.com car corral at, at GNRS, these folks will have the opportunity to choose that service. Yeah, and it it really it really is nice, and the idea of you know the car corral and and all of that, and be able to showcase some of these fabulous cars that are going to be there. Is there any talk eventually of of as well as it being in person to be uh, be either an online type thing or uh, or a live video feed for, from the events? Well, never say never. You know, Hemings dot com. We do have our online auctions that last right. two weeks. Um, I've seen a lot of success there. Um, as far as in person, yeah, I, I would say this Hemmings.com car corral is a step towards that. Um, but again, anything that will grow it up, lift the collector car community, we are open to, um, uh, into doing. So I'm um, currently nothing live yet as far as in person yep. in that more standard live auction, but, um, we'll see what happens. And and one of the, and you know one of the things you know Hemmings has been like you said been around forever, growing growing the growing the industry you know also reminding people of the history of vehicles which I think is so important you know that we don't forget where all these vehicles came from but um and and I, I don't know that you're prepared to talk about it but um, you guys are also trying to deal a little bit in the youth market because I understand you are working with. Riley Schick, who who has Riley's Rebuild, um, a college-age girl that is rebuilding Endelbrock carburetors, and you guys are sponsoring some of her videos now, right? We are, and Riley and her dad have been phenomenal to work with. Um, you know, I, I always keep going back to our manifesto and growing the collector car community. Riley is the next generation, you know, and, and it is our duty, and we all feel this way at Hemmings, to, to help her, to help her get to that next step. You know, we also had a story of a grandfather who has a, a young granddaughter who wanted to go to um, automotive school. So he put up his Model T in our auctions product 
to generate revenue to help pay her her way to that school. You know, and those are the opportunities we want to highlight. Um, we, we wrote a beautiful piece on Henry.com. Um, and it was just amazing, actually. It sold for over-reserve. It, it was a great story. But, yeah, going back to Riley, I think we wrapped up that show a few weeks ago, and her content that she was sharing from, from each production day was hilarious. You know, she was, she was awesome. And her dad sounds like she, um, I was not at the production, but it sounds like her dad was just a pro. You know, they, they went back and forth and, and really worked well together on camera. Yeah, it, it's um, when I first found out about her, I had her on this program, and just the idea that you know she's uh, you know she's in her. I, I don't know how she's getting through her first year in college. She seems to be so busy. She's at she seems to be at every every time I turn around, she's at she's at some show somewhere. So uh, hopefully, she still manages to keep up some kind of decent average while she's. A, you know, I think she's going to college in Connecticut. So, uh, but yeah, it is she. She is an amazing person who is bringing some really. Fun stuff to the hobby, and just like you guys continue to do, you guys talk about you know everything from tech tips to again making the process easy and uh, stress free, which is so important when you're when you're putting out your hard earned savings on a collector car or maybe even something that isn't quite collector car status yet. Um, you want to make sure it's going to you're getting you're getting treated correctly and you're and it's a legitimate sale and you guys are making that pretty seamless and that's that's pretty great too yeah that's, that's exactly what we we are doing we have hundreds of guides um on hemmings.com and and I, and I mentioned you know no matter where you're, no no matter if you're a novice or seasoned collector um we have a, an accessible entry point for everyone um you know, I always say you inherited a vehicle, you have no idea what to do with it, start with evaluation, and our Hemmings experts can, can facilitate that. You know, then jump into a, a guide, you know, whether it's a, a, a Catalina or a 57 Willie, whatever it might be, Hemmings.com has that information, and that's our goal. You know, we want to educate everyone so they can make a, an educated decision, they can feel good about their investment, um, and the Hemmings Paying Title just the latest service to help do that. Fantastic. If people want more information about the Roadster Show, uh, Hemmings in general, or the Paying Title, um, is the easiest thing just to go to Hemmings.com? Yeah, so for the Grand National Roadster Show, or Hemmings.com Car Corral, um, folks who want to register can visit RoadShows.com, click on their ticket link, and we'll be right at the top. Um, I will say registration does end tonight. So if you or your, your friend are, are in the Pomona area and would like to check it out, list their roadster and hot rod for sale. Um, we would love to see everyone there. Um, there's, there's a few spots still remaining. So, you know, go check it out. And, you know, as far as our, our frictionless marketplace on Hemmings.com and, and Hemmings Paying Title, which is available now, Hemmings.com is the place to start. You know, we have a great navigation off the top that folks can go for resources, stories, you know, sell your car, buy a car. Um, that's a great place to, to start. And, you know, we have an, an active social media um, presence as well. So check us out there. And, you know, we'd love to, to engage with everyone. And the worst thing about Hemmings.com, it's a rabbit hole that sometimes you never come out of. You start looking for something and then you get look at something else and then you look at something else and you look at something else and the next thing you know, four hours has gone by. 
Hey, we appreciate the time you spent with us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brandon, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning to join us on the Car Doctor program. All right, John. It was great to speak with your audience. You have a great rest of the evening. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Brandon Garcia, Vice President of Marketing for Hemmings Motor News. Why don't we take another quick break, and when we come back, our phone lines are open at 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. I promised I would talk something about hybrids and some of the hybrid battery facts that people don't think about. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD, your South Shore radio station. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful in your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. We'll see you in practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. But tonight is different. It's gonna be great. Hey, I'm Ashley Jordan. Tune in to Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase Radio on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10. On 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD on this weird day of... um, I don't know, 39 degrees and rain, maybe where you are. Um, I am not there, but I'm someplace where it's not so great either. But uh, but it's not raining. It's or at least it was raining, but it has stopped raining. I we were talking about hybrids with with Carl, and one of the things that I've started to hear from people in the last few weeks is they have either a, a Prius or a Camry or some other popular hybrid and they've had it for seven or eight years and they're like well um the 12 volt battery isn't working and the car wouldn't start yeah most hybrids all hybrids uh currently have 12 volt batteries in them and most electric cars except for the tesla Cybertruck, um has a 12 volt battery in it. it's a proprietary 12 volt battery but it's still a 12 volt battery and it's designed to run the systems in the car to make it work and in the prius yeah you might get a little bit longer life than the normal three four five years out of a 12 volt battery but eventually they're going to go bad and they don't go bad with the big battery that might last 10 or 15 years it's just a 12 volt battery it's just a 12 volt uh, AGM or lead acid battery, depending on what it is. Most of them are AGM batteries, um, and they're they will go bad. So if you have a hybrid and you haven't replaced a 12 volt battery in it, 
you might want to think about having it at least tested and seeing what kind of shape it's in. And one of the things that I am a little bit sorry about is that um, here in my in the tin shack here down south, um, when I moved, and I, you know, I think I've been pretty open that you know we lived in a same little tiny house in Abington for a long, long time, and then we moved to our even smaller house on Cape Cod and limited storage of things. So a lot of tools that I had from both being a I don't know, somebody who wants to work on their own car. And back when I was a mechanic and back when I ran the AAA Auto Diagnostic Center, um, some of those tools were just in the way, didn't want to use them anymore, tried to sell them. You know, some of the old air tools I had, nobody uses air tools anymore. They use, you know, battery-powered tools now, you know, Snap-on or Milwaukee or something. And some of those air tools I tried to sell and didn't get much response on and they're all good quality either you know snap-on or chicago pneumatic or something and um i ended up giving them to the local votech school one of the things i gave to the local votech school was a battery tester that used a um kind of a uh, resistance heating coil we used to call it the toaster tester because you would hook it up to the battery turn the switch on and it would uh put like 125 amp load on the battery and you would read this scale and they were reasonably accurate they were they were what you used back 20 or 30 years ago and now the newest battery testers use different technology uh n no heavy duty cables and i had one of those too that um hooked up to a scan tool and i gave that away and then i think over the past month, I've been asked four times, you don't have a battery tester, do you? Not here. I still have one. I have one left. Uh, it's it's back at the Cape Cod house in a toolbox. Um, and it's the style that AAA uses now. It's called a B2Q. Uh, and it's a, it's a good tester, but um, kind of, I, said, I was thinking the other day, I kind of want to buy another one and see what I can use. And kind of the other funny thing is my wife's car yesterday, I took it out to go do an errand and it ran funny for a minute. And I came back and um, I have, I do have a scan tool here and I went to turn the scan tool on and it has a rechargeable battery in it. And I must've not turned it off last time and the battery went dead. So uh, I charged it, charged it up and and went out and tested it to see what was going on, but it was just been—it's just been one of those things. Like I shouldn't have got rid of that. I shouldn't have got—and I did, but uh, just one of those weird things. Some of the questions that came in this week were pretty interesting. Uh, one of them in 2017, I bought a new Chevrolet Silverado with a V8 engine, eight-speed transmission. Within a year, the transmission started to bang and thud when slowing and stopping. The frequency of this increased with more miles on the truck at 30,000 miles. A Chevy dealer drained and refilled the transmission with mobile one blue at no charge this is lessened the occurrence but has not eliminated the bang and thud the chevy dealer service department will flush and refill for 311 dollars if i want to give that a try they don't seem to have a lot of confidence in that an internet query reveals numerous problems with these gm hp transmissions and why hasn't gm ordered a recall to install a new transmission well, the eight-speed transmission has been certainly problematic. They had some problems with um, with a um, 
with a clutch case that was cracking, that would cause some problems, and maybe you're, you know, that could be this. They've also had some issues with um, a harsh 1-2 shift, which maybe is what this is, and GM is just calling that normal, a normal characteristic of the vehicle. Um, that's the bad news, I guess. The good news is, you know, people are driving these uh, GM trucks to, the ones with the HP transmissions, you know, 200,000 miles kind of putting up with the bang and the thud without any real problems. So I think this is why this Chevrolet has not come up with any kind of a um, warranty or extended service contract or something, some sort of hidden warranty on this transmission because it does work. It just doesn't work great. Um, and it wouldn't be a recall because it doesn't affect the safety of the vehicle. Recalls are, you know, true safety recalls, you know, airbags, things, and stuff like that. Um, you know, they, they impact safety. That's why there's recalls. And this isn't a safety recall because the truck still, you know, gets up to speed the way it should. It still drives. Um, the GM has, I think, virtually eliminated the eight-speed transmission. Now they're using a 10-speed transmission, which I believe they share with Ford. Um, I think they work together to develop a 10-speed transmission, and they're they're working together. I think at this point, I would continue to work with the dealer, um, see what they have to say. You know, is, the, is flushing the transmission rather than just changing the fluid going to make that much difference? It might. Um, it all has to do with how friction modifiers and the first time around and why GM put the synthetic fluid in was because they found out the factory fill uh, broke down really early in its life. And, the, you know, the that's why they put in the synthetic fluid. Um, will doing a flush for $311 fix it? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be just a, a poor characteristic of not really a great transmission so uh somebody uh, somebody else wrote to me and it was kind of a kind of a weird one uh they have a 2020 honda crv and apparently they pay a lot of attention to the temperature gauge and they said once the car warms up the gauge sits halfway while driving but when they sit in their but when they sit in the car in park the gauge goes down towards the cold marking and they want to know, is this a normal fluctuation? And in many cases, as cars get older, it's just the opposite. Uh, you, you're driving the car, and um, the, the temperature gets to one point, And then as you sit still, it may even climb up a little bit higher because you don't have the air going by the radiator. I think in this case, this has to do with the engine design. Uh, the engine design uh, that Honda uses, it runs cool. And that's part of the problem. And that was one of the issues that Honda had with uh, some of the engines were actually getting, uh, the oil was getting contaminated because people were driving them very short distances. The engines weren't getting up to operating temperature. And because of that, it wasn't getting rid of all of the contaminants in the engine oil. So they're having some problems. They did some software changes. But the idea that the engine is cooling well stopped, so getting a little cooler than normal, uh, I wouldn't consider a problem. And if the car had a temperature gauge rather than, I mean, a temperature light rather than a gauge, you'd never know what was going on. Yeah, you might notice while you're sitting, you know, you know, 
waiting for your kids after school in your car or something while you're sitting there, maybe the heat doesn't get as hot as it should because the temperature has dropped off a little bit from the normal temperature. And the more I think about this, um, the, the normal high temperature, Honda might have made some slight software changes to let the engine run a little bit hotter to get rid of the contaminants. And then as it, even though the temperature gauge drops off a little bit, it's probably, that's probably more in the normal range, so sort of low normal. And the other part's probably in the high normal to burn off any of the contaminants in the car. We had a good day with, um, it kind of, it came up, it came about a weird way. Uh, Mark Grosso, who writes the automotive column for the Boston Herald, uh, also writes, he's a, he writes for all the newspapers that, uh, the Boston, that the company that owns the Boston Herald owns. And, um, I write for a few of those, uh, the Saratogian up in Saratoga, New York. The Hartford Current, in theory at least, they claim they run my column. I don't see it very often, but they claim they run my column. Um, the, uh, the There's a newspaper out of Troy, New York. There's a newspaper out of Oneida. Um, there's the Daily Freeman. I think they're out of uh, Upper State New York, too. So I write for him, essentially, or his syndicate, I guess, um, along with um, the other the other newspapers and websites I write for, uh, Boston.com, The Providence Journal, Newsday, uh, Bob Bosworth at the Quincy Sun, carries my column periodically in, in the Quincy Sun, uh, and uh, the Yankee Express and the Blackstone Valley Express. I think that pretty much covers most of the papers I write for. And and Mark sent me an email from a woman who emailed him that had a Fiat 500 that has gone through a bunch of oil. It's burning oil. She went and had an oil consumption test done. The first time it passed. The second time it failed. The dealer I'm not so crazy about, but the dealer said, you know, there's some leaks you have to take care of, and that's going to be, you know, $5,000. So I I contacted somebody at Stellantis, and Stellantis is the is the parent company who owns Fiat, so the Jeep Chrysler, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I don't really know her. I think I met her once very briefly, and she took a, she took the place of a long time, uh, uh, representative who, uh, who was one of the best PR people I've ever met. And she actually got back to me right away. And she said to me, uh, well, let me see what I can do. And all I'm asking for them to do is, um, can you have someone look at this? And, you know, is there a way that, unfortunately, sometimes when you have to deal with some of these things you're dealing you're sometimes not even dealing with a customer service person for the company you're dealing with customer service person at a third party vendor that all they know how to do is read a response back and they looked at it and a couple of days later this woman sends me an email and she said they've authorized a new engine so she's getting a new engine um the dealer's recommending a few other things that I kind of question, but if she can get a new engine out of it in her Fiat, she loves her Fiat. She just hates the idea that it's broken. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, some, you know, being able to help people, that's what, 
we try to do here on the radio show. That's why I do it in the newspaper columns, just try to give people some decent advice to try to handle the problems that they have. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, it is the, you know, life sort of becomes complicated with some things, whether it's, you know, I switched Internet providers here and I went from Comcast to Frontier and I just got a $200 bill from Frontier and I called up and I said, what's this all about? And they said, well, it's because we had to send a technician out to repair your line and that was a $150 charge. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You had a, you had one of your people come out and install new fiber optic and then when the guy came back to what he thought was going to be a normal call, he realized the vendor that you used kind of cheated and didn't do as good a job as he should, so he reran it all. That was not my doing. That was you. And it took, you know, it was 20 minutes on the phone of figuring out, well, why aren't, you know, why am I getting charged for something I shouldn't get charged for? And afterwards they said, yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll Credit your credit card, it'll be all fine at the end. But still the idea that sometimes you need to step up and you need to, you know, talk to somebody. And sometimes it's actually talking to them that gets it done. I think, um, you know, Mike from Hingham, who's been a regular listener to this program, he had a problem with his Lexus, and he wrote an actual letter, which people don't do so much anymore, but he wrote an actual letter to, I don't know, the vice president of Lexus or Toyota or something. And he got a response back and they took care of the issue. And his issue was kind of a funny one. He had, um, he had uh, 3G cell service in his vehicle. I think that's what it was. And, you know, 3G went away. And, and you know, they said, you know, the, the dealer said, well, you have to pay X amount of dollars to get this taken care of. And he's like, no, I bought this vehicle and it's supposed to have, you know, this service in it and the service should kind of last with the vehicle and he got a response back and it took an actual letter to get it happen so there you go hey i want to thank uh, kyle brower from ic cars for joining us i want to thank brandon garcia from hemmings motor news for joining us today and i want to thank all of you for listening and of course jesse for doing the fabulous job he does back at the board and until next week make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely be good to your car and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road slow down or move over it saves lives Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.